Mr. Happy Living here, and I'm happy to be broadcasting from WITV7 in the beautiful Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina, USA. Hey friends, take a moment and just imagine how you'd feel living the unique and distinct life you were put on this planet to live, doing work you love with people you love, in places you love, and all the while creating something of real value to others. That's what I call a life of significance. And I can tell you, it's a very happy life. And so can my friend Mark Young. He's my guest star today, again, and he's here to share an update about his unique and distinct journey to his life of significance. Hey, Mark, welcome back to the show. Oh, man, thanks so much. I apologize. We had to reschedule a couple times, but it's always my pleasure getting to connect with you. No worries. Well, just take a minute and let our audience know what you're doing these days to make your mark of significance on the world. You know what, Matt? I got to tell you, we've had some exciting stuff going on down here. And if, you're, if your audience isn't familiar with our last episode, I'll say I'm actually the CEO of uh, a marketing and advertising agency down here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And as I was actually talking to you guys off air for a couple minutes, one of the, one of the cool parts about my job um, is that we get to work with brands and they're not just, we don't sell just widgets, right? Like we're working on actual um, products that bring value to the world. And I will say, I'm a big proponent of natural health and wellness. Um, and you, you talk about people living life significantly. And um, I couldn't agree with that more. And as you and I, you know, this offline, like my life's mantra is trying to make people live outside of the prisons of their own mind. Yeah, and and I and I believe that too many people live in the lies that they've picked up for for years and years and years, um, and then they become paralyzed by the lies they believe. And I love breaking people out of conventional thinking. Um, and so the client base that we get to work with is so many of our clients are in natural health and wellness and natural beauty and that kind of stuff. And it they break the paradigm of what people just expect is the status quo of healthcare, and so. I love what I get to do every day because we're bringing people like revolutionary medical technology. We're bringing people in some cases, real bottom shelf solutions to health that they just don't even know are out there. Right. And so I get to talk to people all day long about how the pharmaceuticals industry is a money machine, not a health machine and getting them out of the mindset that we have a sick care insurance program. And those types of things. So yeah, that, but we're just making the message live and uh, trying to get it out to as many people as possible because there is there is a difference between living a long time versus living a great life. That's no doubt. We've been you're you're talking to the choir, my friend. We've been writing about in years. And as big as it is in your and my world, it's still so so small in terms of the general public. So keep doing the good work. That's so, the plan. So Mark, let's switch things up a bit. And you gave us, it was an inspiring interview, but it was way back in episode 35. I can't even believe when I did the research nearly two years ago. So now you're back and you're gonna be episode 97. And this is our second ever alumni update on the Something Significant show. And today we're gonna to talk about a significant accomplishment that you've made since our last interview. You've written a book, you've published a book, and you've called it Date Your Clients, Building Professional <laughs> Equity from Life's Worst Personal Strikeouts. So Mark, give us a quick overview of your book. Oh my, oh, so, so thank you for that, Matt. That's amazing. And I have, 
I, I wrote this book. It started off, funny enough, as an email to a client. Um, and anybody who's known me for more than five minutes knows that my, my vocabulary often falls into what I refer to as metaphor, uh, because I can't describe anything without comparing it to something else. And it, it's just the way my brain works. I'm constantly making these, these, these juxtapositions in my mind. Um, and while writing this email to a client, I was trying to explain to her how what she was doing from her marketing program, unrelated to us, I will disclaim that, um, it wasn't working. And I started comparing it. I'm like, well, here's what's going on. Like, imagine your website is kind of like your dating profile, you know, and the goal of what you're trying to do here is your first impression. And if, if I'm going to first impression, I don't need to sell out and say everything like, like your dating profile, right? I want the prettiest picture. I want the best description using all positive words, like so on and so forth. And I'm playing out this metaphor. And then as I start moving, this metaphor just kept growing and growing and growing and literally turned into a book, Matt. So um, how long ago was that? So this the email started back in the fall of 2019, um, and that's when it was just an email, and then it turned into one of my staff members saying, you should just turn this into a white paper. This is really good content. And then that turned into the longest white paper ever, so it just became a book. Um, and then the book I had to edit down because it was getting too long. But what was funny about it is it's, it's good content, and it grew out of just like I said, it's, it was an email to a client and became a book. And you mentioned the, the subheading out of the building professional equity from life's worst personal strikeouts. And what started off as a metaphor to explain marketing turned into an entire book. My passion is relationships. And, you know, my background is in clinical psychology. I don't know if, you know, we've discussed that before. So one of the things I like is we don't need to make things complicated. And unfortunately, too often people try to make things as complicated as they can, right? Like, I, I need you to start with the regimen to help me get into better physical condition. Okay, well, first of all, how about if we don't eat so much and exercise a little bit? Like, it's not that hard. Um, and yet some people are out trying to buy these multi-million dollar programs and, and you know, all these other things. And it's like, how about if we drink more water? <laughs> like, no, let's go to the basics. I'm looking at on my on my wall right over there. Everything should be as simple as possible, but no simpler by Einstein. So you're kind of speaking, 100%. <laughs> speaking hundred percent. Well, and so in in the in the writing of this book, much of what I'm explaining in here is the relational equity that we've learned through the dating process. We've all dated somebody at some point, right? Some ended up married, some just continued to date, some dated other people, but we intuitively know how to do that, right? No one ever took a seminar on being a good dater, but at the same time, we take class after class and seminar and, and social media posts and everything else about how to be good at business relationships. And my argument is you've been practicing them for years. You're just not, you're just not using that transferable knowledge the way you should. Um, so in a real tongue-in-cheek, entertaining way, I will say it's a it's a it's an entertainingly shaped book. Um, in a real tongue-in-cheek way, that's what I'm trying to explain. Like when you go on a first date, you know how to make a good impression, right? You spend 30 extra minutes in the mirror. You make sure you take care of all the details and so on and so forth. And I, I laughingly say, like, if I go on a first date, I assume that's the best she's ever going to look. Correct. 
because I know she took extra time to get ready today. Mm-hmm. But do we do the same thing when we meet a client for the first time? Do we do we do we spend extra time getting ready for that meeting? Do we do we spend time making sure our our clothes are ironed properly or whatnot? I mean, silly stuff like that, because to us it's just a Tuesday at work. Right. To them, it's the first time they've ever made an impression of you. And, and we can't take that for granted. So yes, I, I through multiple chapters, um, go point by point through all these shameless things that have happened throughout my own life, as well as other people's, and then compare them to the, the, the synonymous relationships, those transferable skills that we can take with us into the business world. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of fun. I know you read it, Matt. I'm interested in hearing your observations. Well, I've got some questions for you, but before we get into the, the content, a lot of people are are interested in writing a book and and it's it's a big task. So what was the biggest personal challenge you had to overcome while writing it? Biggest personal challenge? I think it's the same for everyone, to be honest, and I will say discipline. Um, the reality is, is that um, as as a person who's always moving in a hundred directions at a hundred miles an hour, sitting down at a computer and focusing on writing is not intuitive. It's actually, as much as I love writing, I love writing short-term things. Like I love writing ad copy. I like writing website copy. I love writing, you know, humorous things. I like, so sitting down and actually keeping a cohesive voice throughout the course of that many pages, Mm -hmm. um, can be challenging, but it, it's the discipline of telling yourself, no, tonight I'm going home and I'm writing one chapter. So how and did, then, you, did you do it at the end of the day or the beginning of the day? Or So I will tell you, I do it better at night okay. um, because that's after I've gone to the gym, after I've had my day, I'm ready to wind down and I can spend more time undistracted. Okay. Um, so some people work better in the morning. Some people, I mean, one of my favorite authors and coaches is a guy named Donald Miller. And Donald Miller will tell you his, he has to write in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if, and if he doesn't, that's where, that's when his mind is sharpest. That's when he's best. And he takes two days per week that he writes for four hours before he goes to the office. Mm-hmm. For me, if I'm writing in the morning, all I'm thinking about is all the things I ought to be doing at the office. <laughs> well, speaking of the office, what was your biggest big business challenge that you had to overcome during the writing of the book? COVID. I, I will tell you, I, you asked me when it began and fall of 2019 was when I started writing. And I will tell you, it it was like lightning fast, how fast I was banging out content for the first few months um, and gaining more experiences and taking new notes and so on and so forth. Um, and then a few months into writing, the world ended mm-hmm. um, and we ended up with COVID and then came the work from home, then came the everything's a Zoom meeting. Um, and it 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 became a full-time job just managing a business through COVID. Um, and I will tell you, that was probably some of the least inspired months of my life. And I think most people can resonate with that, um, that too many things were going on at the same time, too much of life was changing, um, whether it be quarantines, whether it be workout routines, whether it be trying to manage a business remote through Zoom with nobody in the office. You're hurting my head just going back and thinking about it, Mark. I know, I know. And so, <laughs> it's over. yes, what was my biggest challenge? Well, probably the same as everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. All right, describe your target audience. Entrepreneurs, 100%. I will tell you that 
It's people who currently run businesses, small businesses, and feel the need to, you know, just sometimes I will say as an entrepreneur, um, nobody understands an entrepreneur like an entrepreneur. If you've never been a business owner, don't ever tell a business owner you understand what they're going through. Um, And the reality is, is most business owners will just go, oh, thanks. And and will politely smile and discount anything you say. Um, Because if you've not been there, you've not been there. It's kind of like getting parenting advice from people without children. Um, If if you've never been in love, you don't know how to describe it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then the truth of the matter is, is I would say being in love, I suppose, is somewhat subjective because some people may think they've experienced love, but it's not on the level that they could have. But it's pretty definitive. You're a parent or you're not. Yeah, yeah. Or or you're a business owner or you're not. Um, So that's my metaphor there. And that is so my audience is entrepreneurs, it's business owners or aspiring business owners who are hoping to get a fast track on fixing some of the issues before they become issues. Um, Or, and and in many cases, I will say, speaking to an entrepreneurial world, um, again, and, and middle managers and business leaders and stuff like that can get content from this book entirely because I, I refer to them in the book as intrapreneurs. Yeah. That they're not the entrepreneurs who go out and do something new. They're the entrepreneurs who get into someone else's business or someone else's dream and, and make it great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the unsung heroes of the world. And that's a great way to develop skills that you can apply later on when you're ready to strike out on your own if, if you get to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's a matter of learning on someone else's dime. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. What's the most embarrassing personal strikeout that you describe in the book? Oh, my goodness. I, I describe so many of them, Matt. I mean, at one point, a friend of mine asked me after reading the book, just went, don't you feel kind of just exposed? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, my, I, I live by the phrase, when in doubt, sell out, right? Like, you're not sure what else to say. Just tell people you don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of how I was here. I will tell you probably, and I just mentioned the clinical psychology background and one of my favorite experiences in dating, which is described in the book in painful detail is I was dating this girl many years ago who was just, I, I will say she was just incredibly emotional. Like I, I just, the tears, I couldn't stop the tears. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a very logical person. Like I'm, I'm very methodical about the way I think about things. And so emotions don't play a large part of my decision-making. And you can imagine the two of us trying to make a relationship work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember one day, and I'm so so ashamed to even tell you this, I I was like, you know what? I have the solution. Like she doesn't understand because that's what what she wants is understanding, right? Because that's a very logical word. And I'm like, she just doesn't understand that we think differently. And again, from a psychological standpoint, understand the words I'm using, the word understand, the word think. Um, those are differences, like those are very logical words, right? They're not emotional, they're not feely. So I'm approaching this problem again from a logical standpoint. Yeah. And I decide that the solution is I need her to take a Myers-Briggs type indicator test. And by giving her a personality test, I will show her the results of her personality test versus my personality test. And it'll all make sense to her at that point. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the problem, Matt. My thesis was true. That is, if she took the personality tests, she would 
rank as a very emotional driven person. I would rank as a very logically driven person. And there would be a difference between these two personalities. My hypothesis was true. What failed was I thought that that would just be a revelation for her. And she would understand that, well, if only I knew this about you, then we would be okay. And, and the response, she did take the test, Matt. She actually did. Um, just to humor me. But I will say the response wasn't as exciting as I would have hoped because it actually just led to additional conflict. Go figure. Um, because I got the- test was the beginning of the end. I am mad. It, it spiraled. Uh, <laughs> and I was just trying to solve a problem because that's what logical people do, right? That's a good, that's a good one, Mark. Flowers so, probably would work better. Yep, yes, much better. <laughs> uh, so one more before we go to break. What's the most important thing that you learned personally while writing the book? I'll give you a split answer there. So the first, what I learned personally throughout the book was um, an, an editor of mine who was going through it actually made the comment to me about, this is probably a great exercise in you organizing a lot of your thoughts and values. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that's true because once you put them down in writing, they kind of become part of your lexicon. And I find myself referring back to some of my own, yep, but so here's the deal. We, and I'll get to my second point now, we value relational experiences over transactional experiences. Um, and I will say that it solidified that belief for me that transactions are great and too many entrepreneurs and business owners are so busy trying to turn a dollar and, and get a cash register moving that they stop to value the people behind it. Um, and I go into a lot of exhaustive detail of that in the book, even the power of social media the power of social media is not to make your cash register go crazy. The power of social media is to build an audience and to build relationships with these people where they feel that as, as false as that relationship would be, people are craving it and they're willing to settle for a substitute if the real thing's not available. Um, and as business owners, we have the opportunity, pardon me for saying, but to capitalize on transactions by building relationships, but we need to keep our priorities in place, that it's relationship first, transaction second. Yeah, 100%. Right on, Mark. So let's take a quick break and let our sponsor say hello. Happy is an intentional and lifelong journey, but it's hard to change and grow towards higher levels of happy without knowing where you're starting from. Our happy quiz puts a starting pin on the map to your happy living and provides additional guidance and motivation along the way. Just go to happyliving.com and take the happy quiz to get started on your road to happy. And we're back and this is a Something Significant show and I'm your host, Matt Gersper. And my special guest star today is Mark Young and we're talking about his new book, Date Your Clients, Building Professional Equity from Life's Worst Personal Strikeouts. So Mark, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, I read the book and I've noticed quite a lot of alignment between what you're teaching in your book and what we've been sharing over the years with our community at Happy Living. I wasn't seeking this out, but it just kind of it stumbled right into me. So here's an example. In my blog post called The Happy Formula, I write, one of the fastest ways to improve your happy is to stop doing things or hanging out with people that make you feel bad. 
And in your book, you write, quit investing your life in no and go nowhere relationships. I stand by that, Matt. <laughs> and I agreed. And I think part of the reason why you're finding this synergy and, and this this correlation between yours and mine is that we share values. Um, and, and those shared values, often they choose different words to describe themselves, but at their core, it, it's the same value. And I think what that boils down to is you value people, I value people. And we're, we're always going to come to the same conclusion, even if we take a different pathway there. And we, probably, we might we might score the same in the Myers Briggs too. I'm I'm guessing. <laughs> so, no, I'm an, I'm an ENTP. If that helps you, I don't know. All I don't right. know the numbers. Um, okay, here's another one. This is from my philosophy of bringing resolutions to life, and I write: If you're not waking up excited about taking action on your new resolutions, perhaps you've made a choice that's not right for you. That's okay. Fail fast. Drop it. Move on without judgment. You tried something that you thought would be good for you, but you discovered otherwise. No problem. Keep looking. Life is too precious and too short to waste time on wrong choices. And then you wrote in your book, and you wrote much more succinctly than I did. The question to ask, of course, is when to cut bait. And if you're smart, you cut sooner rather than later. Again, I stand by that. And so from a business standpoint or a personal standpoint, I'll, I'll start with I'll start with personal because that's the way the book flows. From a personal standpoint, I think I'm a person who sees the best in people. Um, and oftentimes, and I make the same mistakes when hiring, I make the same mistakes when making friendships. Um, I often I often see people for what I believe they could be. Um, and I will say more often than not, those people don't see themselves the same way that I do. And I'd, I'd like to believe that it's my optimistic side. Um, and while I, while I trust um, hesitantly, I act differently. That is, I, I will invest in people far beyond what they've earned. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I believe that it leads me down a path of disappointment quite often. Um, and, and it's not disappointment because I get hurt. It's actually disappointment because I see the, I see the, the I'll, I'll sound cliche and I'll say, I see the beauty that someone could be yeah. um, and they just don't see it yet. And that gets back to my desire to try to unlock people from these, these, these places they are. Because sometimes pe people are only a couple degrees away from greatness and they just don't yeah. see it. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're two degrees off. Yeah. But on their trajectory, that turns into a long distance. From a client perspective in business, I will say I have a tendency to let relationships go far too long. And it, and it has led me quite often to end up with growing receivables mm -hmm. because I think the business will be fine. And I believe that the owner has the best of intents. And then, you know, the owner goes down the road and ends up, you know, doing me out of all kinds of money and filing bankruptcy or so on and so forth. And it's because... I believe and I invest in people, not products um, and, and people disappoint. And I will tell you that one of the one of the happy experiences that I believe people can have um, is that every minute that I spend investing in a person who's not worthy of my investment is time that I'm taking away from a person who perhaps is. That's right. So, and, yeah. Go ahead. So, I mean, for, for the time I spend trying to dig a client out of a hole, 
I could actually be helping someone who needs the help and wants it. Um, and the same in personal relationships. I could be investing my evenings or my weekends in relationships that go nowhere. And there's people out there craving the kind of attention that I'm willing to give. Um, and it's incumbent on me to, to analyze fast. And as I wrote in that book, cut bait quickly, yeah. because there's a world out there that needs what I have to offer. And that same statement's true for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't speed date if I'm too busy spending all of my time uh, investing in go nowhere. I, I say in a, in a different way, I'll match your enthusiasm. And if, if you're not coming back, then 100%. Off I go. And I got to tell you, your enthusiasm video, if anybody's listening to this in audio and not video, watching Matt's pantomime while I was saying that last <laughs> bit was worth the show. <laughs> one, one, more, one more of these. Um, and your audience knows you and your, let me get back. As you and our audience know well, I define significance as doing work you love with people you love and places you love and creating something of real value for others while you're at it. And in your book, you write, quote, do what you love and with whom you love and watch the rest work out. So similar, Matt. <laughs> And, and I agree in that is if you love doing what you're doing and you love doing it with the people that you come to work with, it's not work. Like at that point, it's actually fun to do what you do. We had a, a quick story and I'll say we had one person in our office and I've experienced this before professionally that the person themselves um, brings down the entire culture of the company. And I will say that probably a year or two ago, it was post COVID. It was part of the distraction through all of that. We had one guy in our office that was probably the most talented person on the team. Yeah. Um, and yet just ruined the entire culture in the building. Yeah. And he was he was the longest standing person on the team. So, he, I mean, he had seniority. He was the most talented. It's like, but a wet blanket. Yeah. And when it finally got to a point that he and I had a conversation um, that mutually ended in this isn't a good fit for you anymore. The culture here changed overnight. Yep. And I was so mad at myself for not seeing it sooner. But again, I wanted the best in people. Um, and that's why I'm a, I'm a big cut bait quick. The people who belong in your life or in your space, they prove it quickly. Yep. And if it takes too long for someone to get on board, um, nine out of 10 chances, I will say it's never going to happen. Yes, and when you when you feel it, you it's it's real, and you got to act on it. And it, Absolutely. it works both ways. When you feel that negativity, you got to get rid of it. And when you feel that positivity, you got to double down on it. And uh, and the longer you wait, and when you're at the top, you know, and you're trying to work it out, but you're not the only one that recognizes that bad seed. Everybody is dealing with that bad seed, and they all know, and they say, "Why aren't you doing something about it, boss?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, and the thing is, is, you know, liken that to relationships, like when you're in a dating relationship with a person who's just not making you better, like all of your friends see it and you don't. And part of the part of the necessity in that is we tend to be as people naturally defensive of our choices. Right. If I made this choice, I'm going to live with it. Um, you know, I bought the ugly outfit, but I'm going to wear it because I'm not going to waste the money. And it's that kind of mindset. And we need to be open um, you know, the, the Bible uses the quote, plans fail for lack of counsel. Mm. And we tend to be people who arrogantly believe our own opinions. 
um, and, and my encouragement to your audience is make sure that you're a person who's open to feedback from a select few people. Mm. Not everyone gets a front row seat on my, in my theater. You know, if I'm on my stage, there's a very elite group of people who get to sit in the front row and they get to see my mistakes and they get to see me spit when I'm talking and they get to see all the gross sides of life. But when they speak, I shut up mm -hmm. because they're not speaking for any other reason than my best interest. Um, and, and make sure that you have those front row people in your life so that when you get into these situations like, like I have, there's people to give you wise counsel. That's, that's wise counsel. So one last question on the book. How do you want it to change your reader's life? I want my readers and my entire intention behind it is to get out of their own way. Um, I believe that there is a natural greatness and an intuitive greatness that, that I know it sounds so existential, but that there's an intuitive greatness that exists um, in everyone if they're willing to follow it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not subscribing to the, you know, everyone's their own God kind of mindset, because that's clearly not true. But I am saying that every one of us was created with unique giftings um, and, and purpose to be fulfilled with those giftings. And, and I believe that if people got out of their own way and did the things that feel intuitive for them and quit overthinking the world, um, that they're going to find that level of happiness or even complacency that that can exist and and it's we're we're so busy tied to this nine to five mentality um we're so busy tied to the but what if i fail yeah um and and i laughingly say that my dad recently had finished reading my book and he sent me a text message and his text message was i realize that in your book you talk about a lot of your failures but i, I assure you i've failed more mm. And, and my immediate reply was, yes, and we're both going to continue to fail more. And the reason is, is because we continue to try. Yeah. Nice. And it, if you're not failing, it's because you're not trying. Yeah. Uh, and too many people are so afraid of, of failure. And it, whether it's embarrassment, whether it's shame, whether it's their, their, their insecurity of being able to build back, um, whatever it is, the reality is, is that people live in that, again, I go back to that prison between their ears. Mm -hmm. What do I want my audience to know? I want my audience to know that failure is okay. Like, it, it's okay. Go fail a few more times if you really want to learn. Exactly. No, that's good. We, we talk about it, happy living, getting out of your head and getting into your heart. Just moving those 15 inches and change your whole life. Well, and I want to add something to that, Matt. That is the, the out of your head and into your heart. I know you know, makes complete sense to me. And I get it because it's, it's following passion. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I understand that. And for a lot of people, I want to say that into your heart has a real touchy, feely, gooey kind of vibe. And they turn it off just because it starts to look that way. Um, particularly a lot of men, right? Like the, the idea of, you know, yeah. following my heart just seems to emasculate. And, and my answer to that is that even beyond saying into your heart, part of it is like, Follow your passion. Yeah, and, and spirit, passion, right. Right. The thing, the thing that sure, you up. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're familiar with, with John Eldridge and Wild at Heart and his his talk about, you know, men were born to be wild. Like, go adventure, go do things. Like, I think that's so true. But one of my 
Um, you, I'm sure you're familiar with who Bill Hybels is. He's the, the founding pastor at Willow Creek in Chicago. Mm. And Bill Hybels um, wrote a book called Holy Discontent. Mm. Um, one of the best books you'll ever read. I strongly encourage you to read it because it'll resonate with who you are. But in Holy Discontent, what Bill Hybels um, postulates is that he uses the word that which, um, what it is, how, does he, how does he say it? It's whatever it is, I'll paraphrase and say, whatever it is that you can't stand in the world is the passion that resonates with what God can't stand in the world. Hmm. And some people have been given a burden for homelessness. Some people given a burden for 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 right to life advocacy. Some people are given a burden for, for starving kids in Africa. Like some people are given a burden for addiction. Um, and his point is, is whatever it is that has, that, that, that just wakes you up and, and he uses Popeye as his example. And he says, Popeye always used to, that's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. And it was at that point, Popeye ate the spinach and beat the enemy down. And he's like, People will take it, take it, take it, take it. He goes, but at some point you need to find what your holy discontent is yeah. because whatever it is that drives you crazy about the world drives God crazy too. And once you tap into that discontent, you will find yourself with a holy energy that works for you to become part of the solution to that problem. And don't be upset that not everybody shares that passion because they have their own passion because right. People need to fix different problems in the world. Correct. Get on your train. Yep, that's Get on your train with your like-minded people. And and the Hybels, he does such an eloquent job of it. I love the book he does. He's written several books. I recommend any of them. Um, but that holy discontent, and it took me a long time to figure it out, Matt, because I've, I've served so many communities. I've led mission trips around the world, all this good stuff. So none of that's new to me. Um, you know, addiction, you know, foster care, the whole deal. I've been involved in all of it. But when I really had to sit down and ask myself, like, what is my holy discontent? Mm -hmm. And how do I, how do I dedicate my life towards that? Um, the answer that resonated with me, and this was many years ago, was my discontent is people who live in these prisons between their ears. Like, yeah. how do I, how do I work to get people out of that pattern of disbelief into a pattern of believing? So that's where I was just going to go with this. In our last interview, we discussed how the real magic of life comes when you're giving to others from living in, in your purpose. And so let's change the, that, that words from living in your purpose to living in your holy discontent. And when you're when you're giving to others from living in your holy discontent, then, Mark, how does it feel when you've encapsulated the business and life wisdom that you've gained by building professional equity from your worst personal strikeouts into a book that will be giving to others from you living in your holy discontent after you and I are long gone. And you've got it in that book. And then a reader reads it and says, what an adventure in prose. The author does a great job exposing the relational keys to our professional world. His wit and humor thread together his real, sometimes painfully raw examples. I couldn't put it down. And another says, great author, good content, wildly entertaining. Another calls your book a must read and then continued, loved this. So many valuable points. I bought copies for my coworkers. That's good for sales. And finally, one reader said that after the first few pages, he could quickly tell that you speak from real world experience and tell it like it is, instead of simply regurgitating all the boring 
textbook business management principles we already know. So Mark, tell us how does all that make you feel? Um, it's it's fun to me, Matt. Um, it's humbling to be real honest with you. And what I'll say to that is little known fact, I spent most of my career as a college professor and educator. Um, so I, I get the textbooks. I, I get the lessons that you're supposed to learn. Um, and the one thing that I believe I always brought to a classroom was that real life experience, the, you know, putting down the book and talking through it. Um, and I used to, in every one of my classes, I would tell them, you know, we live in an age where you can Google any information you want. So I don't care if you can get an A on a test because you memorize things. I want to teach you how to think. Yeah. Um, and my challenge to anybody reading it, what I love to hear when people give that type of feedback is, did it challenge you to think differently about something? Because if I wrote a book that was just a textbook and you got to the end of the cover and can't remember what was between them, um, it's irrelevant. And, and I hope that something that I've written down through my own embarrassing stories even um, echoes enough with somebody that it's altered the way they look at something um, and the way they believe about their own experiences. My, my reason for sharing so many embarrassing stories um, in the book myself is because I think we all feel like we're these islands um, that that no one understands what I'm going through, right? There's this lack of community in our world. And I believe social media and stuff has made it even worse because we see the best of everyone else's lives, but we only see the worst of our own. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a psychological phenomenon. It's, you know, social comparison. That is, everybody puts the highlight reels of their lives, but I know my struggle. So everyone else is living an amazing life, but me. And it's increased depression. It's increased suicide. It's increased addiction. Um, and it's it's this idea that we just don't see the the ugly sides of anybody anymore because we've lacked real relationship. And my goal in sharing all these embarrassing stories and all this else is, you know, entrepreneur, I get it. I failed too. These are this is my dirty junk. This is my laundry. You're welcome to take a look at it all because I'm comfortable with me now. Yeah. That sharing these stories isn't an embarrassment anymore because. I'm, I'm down the road and I'm okay. And, you know, and, and it, because it'll help others. Absolutely. It, and, and hopefully they can see that authenticity and then learn to be authentic themselves yep. um, and, and understand that other people's lives, you're just getting the highlight reels. And I don't want a book to be all about my successes. I want the book to be a real representation of me. That's it. And that's, that's what this show is all about too, Mark. It's, it's finding that magic in life with ordinary people doing extraordinary things by giving their time and talents and, and treasures to improve the lives of others. Otherwise, it's meaningless. And this show exists to inspire others to create their own version of the happy formula. And so that's creating the personal capacity that you need to take really good care of yourself and your family, discovering and living your purpose, God's reason for putting you on this planet, your holy discontent, what is that? And then giving to others, lifting them up, helping them to live better lives. And so that's the happy formula. Capacity times purpose times giving equals happy to the third power. And that's really, truly, deeply happy. Does that sound about right to you, Mark? Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll take yes for an answer. So we're running long here, but we've got to wrap things up with a lightning round. I love the power of words and the capacity 
for great quotes to change lives. So I'm gonna read a few of my favorites and have you respond with telling us what they mean to you and give us the first thing that comes to mind, Mark, because it's called a lightning round. Oh, I remember it well. From Paul Hawken, go deep into a specialty, get a customer, make them happy. Uh, what does that mean to me? That means to me that entrepreneurs are people who solve other people's problems. They're the masters of innovation. And I will say that a lot of times we get people who come to us and say, here's my product. Who's my audience? I'm like, okay, your audience should have been your first decision. Because if you solve a problem, your audience is everyone who has that problem. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're trying to bring a product to market that doesn't need to be here. Big fight I have with people when I was developing software. That's exactly right. Yep. From Peter Drucker, efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. So I will quote my grandmother on this. And she used to constantly tell us there's, as children, there's never time to do it right, but there always seems time to do it over. Um, and I find, <laughs> and, and it's the clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. And then she would always follow by saying, if you'd have just done it right the first time, you'd have been outside already. Like, but you found every way to do it wrong. Yeah. And now you're still doing it over because it's doing it right. So it, when, when Rucker uses the statement and says, doing it right is efficient. Yes. Just quit, quit trying to find the shortcut. Grandma it do it right. Huh? Rucker had it. From Jim yeah. Collins, you can't manufacture passion or motivate people to feel passionate. You can only discover what ignites your passion and the passions of those around you. You can't manufacture right. it. You can only discover it. And I, here's what I'll say, Matt, that goes back to our conversation earlier about surround yourself with like-minded people yeah. because you can't change people's minds. People, people need to be attracted to what you have to offer. I remember years ago, and you'll laugh at this, I was, a, I was a college president and one of my peers happened to be at a meeting and he goes, Mark, I don't understand. This is gonna sound so harsh, but it's true. He's like, Mark, I don't understand. Like your team just loves you. And he goes, I don't understand. Like literally we all walk into these meetings and like anybody from your team, you just know who's on Mark's team. Like these people are like your biggest fans. How do you get people to love you that way? And I laughingly answered, I said, well, I fire the ones that don't. Right. And, and he looked and he's like, that's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, no, actually it's accurate, Vince. I'm like, because followers need to echo the passion of the leader. Yeah. And, if, and if I have followers who are never going to follow my leadership and never going to follow my passion, then I need to do what I can to help them go find a leader that they resonate with. Yeah. Because I can't manufacture their passion for my vision. Either they're, they have the vision or they don't. And only the people with the vision get to stay on the team. That's it. Okay, one more from Robert Green. Mastery is not a function of genius or talent. It's a function of time and intense focused, focus applied to a particular field of knowledge. 10,000 hours, my friend. 10,000 hours. There is no way to cheat those 10,000 hours. That's there right. is no way to do it. And it's all about putting in your time. And too many people, again, we live in a fast food self-serve world um, and there's no way to shortcut your way to success. And, you know, there's a, there's a few Justin Bieber's in the world, but the reality is, is most of us put in our 10,000 hours to become experts and Malcolm Gladwell would back me up on that. And Justin, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Justin well, but I bet he's put in quite a few hours. I'm quite certain of it. Yeah. 
Okay, now folks, it's your chance to be a giver too. If you can hear my voice and you were inspired by today's show with Mark Young, please share some love with our wonderful broadcast team by giving what you can to WITV7. They're a 501c3 charity on a mission to educate, empower, and encourage. They do good works with your kindness. Mark, I love your book and how it provides a step-by-step -step juxtaposition between the relational skills required in dating and those required to be successful in business. And I admire your willingness to share some of your worst personal strikeouts to teach the reader the value of clinging to failures and using them to learn and using them to grow and using their failures to become the very success that they've always dreamed of being. And I'm super, super happy, super happy? I'm super happy that you've shared your business and life and dating wisdom on our show today. Will you take just a minute or two and share any parting remarks you'd like to leave with our audience? Thank you so much, Matt. It has, of course, been my pleasure to echo so much of your passions with my own. And I, I absolutely love conversations like this. I can do this all day. That would be my passion. Um, but thank you so much for having me. Anybody who's interested in looking up the book, it's available right on Amazon. Um, hop on Amazon, date your clients, Mark Young. If anybody's interested in talking to me offline, I make myself available. You can reach out at mark at dateyourclients.com. Uh, email me. I manage that inbox myself. So if anybody really wants to talk about whatever, um, shoot me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Right on. And I also want to thank WITV7 for hosting and promoting our show so we can keep interviewing inspiring guest stars like Mark and reaching folks just like you ready to create your own extraordinary lives. And most especially, thank you viewers and listeners. You'll find links to websites and social media and all things Mark Young. Find him, friend him, email him, and buy his book, Date Your Clients, Building Professional Equity from Life's Worst Personal Strikeouts. You can find it all at dateyourclients.com. That's all one word, dateyourclients.com. From me to you, dear friends, I love you, and I want you to be really, truly, deeply happy too. So I want you to go to happyliving.com and take our happy quiz, because when you measure happy, you'll focus attention on it. And focusing attention on it inspires change and learning and improvement to flow right into your life. And once you take the quiz, and it only takes a minute, I hope you'll give some thought to what we can do together, you and me. Yes, think about what we can do together this year right now to improve the happy of your world one person at a time. Till next time, I'm Matt Gersper. You are awesome, and this is the Something Significant Show. And we're out.